Hi, welcome back to Father and Daughter. Uh, it's Colin here, and I got Lottie with me, and we've just been listening to the last podcast mm-hmm. and asking each other what's cropped up. And Lottie's asked me to introduce this one because what's cropped up for me is um, a question that she asked me halfway through, and you and didn't answer. I, as <laughs> usual, wandered way off the subject and didn't answer. Um, I think I sort of got to answer it in the end. But she asked me what I thought were the benefits of the way I got uh, the children to do their own ordering in a cafe. And um, what cropped up for me listening to it again is that it brought forth one of my fundamental uh, sort of planks of my parenting technique, or, you know, building blocks planks. of my techniques. Yeah, And it is... Um, the avoidance of situations that might bring conflict, which are avoidable. Is there a way to say that, that which nicely. is slightly more succinct? <laughs> so if you think about it, we're going to a cafe, and if the, the, uh, the original um, story you brought up was about a, a two people and a child being in conflict, and that conflict then um, resulting in some perhaps raised voices, you certainly noticed it, so it was behaviour that you noticed. Mm. The child was a little bit upset, possibly. Well, it's conflict between the child and the yes. customer, the customers, isn't it, as well, a little bit? Yes. So, And, of course, I've experienced this myself, and I've seen other people. And so I would... My preparation of my children would be to avoid that type of thing happening. Mm-hmm. What makes it happen? Children not choosing quickly enough, so that the waitress is getting slightly agitated or not or, knowing how much they can spend. So I, or I, parents getting involved in fussing. Or parents getting involved in fussing, or the children pestering each other. So I make it quite clear before I go into the cafe that none of that is, a, is allowed, that they, I'm, I'm confident they know what the deal is before I walk in, mm-hmm. which means there's very little that's going to happen as a conflict between me and them and them and each other. And so I have... I have created a situation where there is um, there's conflict could happen but I'm avoiding it okay. I'm not appeasing now, appeasement is when you just allow the children to do what they like and have what they like because otherwise it's going to be a fuss so I don't do that right okay um, and what I get from that is that what you get with, with children and you as an adult if there's the less conflict there is just the happier everyone is and the better the memories and mm. it's a nice thing for us to look back on and all it took was a little bit of preparation and a little bit of forethought and and humans people children everybody responds to positivity you are it's, i'm i'm not being unjustly accused of picking the wrong thing i've not been pestered i'm not being rushed i'm feeling quite confident all those things the conditions are there for them to be able to express themselves and feel confidence and so from that you get happy times and okay it doesn't take much so conflict avoidance or running your life to where conflict can be avoided easily what is a theme it's a theme for me and it feels i mean it kind of it does make sense to someone that doesn't have kids um that especially if you've got four or five or more children it feels like quite a good idea to just avoid conflict 
because everyone's lives just get. I mean, the thing is, and it conflict inevitably happens, yeah, and it'll crop. It crops up all the time yes, in little things, so and you can't avoid it altogether. But if you've got a situation where you could control it by taking something away well. or preparing people, then yeah, what's the downside? And what happened with me, of course, is that when you were eleven, me and my, your mother separated, and we started bringing you up separately, mm. and um, the arrangement was fifty-fifty. So that gave me the opportunity to parents as I would want to parents. Is that like a hindsight opportunity? I can't no, imagine no, no, at the no. time you're just like, right, here we go. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's Actually, my time. No, it wasn't. Um, it was an at-the-time opportunity. Yeah. Um, and there were two main things, and they're both controversial, mm. I, I feel. Uh, the most controversial was I didn't buy a television. Mm. And I remember distinctly thinking it was not... I, I have got some views about television. I don't like, I don't like, well, even then, before the, the big splurge of cable, uh, not cable, what do you call it? Sky TV and digital. And all that type of stuff. Um, even normal terrestrial television, I was starting to get uneasy about the morality of the, of the programming. I think we should uh, clarify, we had a TV set. We watched films on it, though. Like, we didn't have a TV licence or any satellite hookup so that... Yeah. We could no actually access any no. TV channels. And um, so I was already feeling uneasy about television and children, to be fair, but I got no big deal about it. And we'll probably talk a lot in the future about morality and swearing and films and pornography and all that type of thing with children. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, um, but what I didn't, what I couldn't solve for myself was how I would resolve a conflict between the children who wanted to watch two different things on the same device. Mm. Okay, these days, possibly that conflict is solved by the fact that everybody's got their personal device. Mm. So I'm, this is a principal thing, really. Yeah. It's not a practical thing. So I remember thinking to myself, I actually cannot think of a way... I can easily resolve a conflict between the children or between the children and me or any one of them and me or themselves. Or bedtime and kids. Or bedtime. Uh, yeah, bedtime. <laughs> Wanting to instance. stay up. What about bedtime? Yeah. I, it just, I just thought of that now. The kind of... I have so many memories of just like, yeah, but that really cool program's on next and I really don't want to go to bed. Yeah. So uh, I had an opportunity because we were moving house. Uh, neither me nor my mother had hardly any money. We separated into two houses. So... Um, I was going to have to buy or, or, or hook up to a television. That was going to cost me money. I used the excuse I didn't have the money. So I just got you used to not having access to broadcast television. Of course, you had access to broadcast television in your mother's house, but not in mine. So that mm. was a bit easier for me, to be fair. All right, so what's your second? So my second one is chores and money. So the other thing I did is um, I didn't um, have a formal, formal way for you to do chores and it was for the same reason I couldn't think of a way to easily settle any conflict that arose and it does arise mm. between the fairness of chore doing so mm. the child saying oh why is it my turn all that type of thing and chores are bound to crop up you are bound to need help right? so they're yeah. going to crop up but the formal yeah, you're not I'm not going to give you your pocket buddy until you re-roof the garage or something like that <laughs> it, it, for me it absolutely doesn't work the money aspect I'll be wanting to I'll perhaps I'll mention a little bit later but the connection I feel like we should maybe do that as a whole other podcast the yes. more we bring into this one the more 
So the connection between chores and anything other than you're just giving me a hand, thank you very much. For me, it doesn't work with children. You have to be clear. It's a simple, clear message. I need that doing. Yeah. Please, can you do it? Yeah. Um, once it gets into you've got to tidy your bedroom every week, you've got to do this every week, you've got to do that every week, it's just full of potential conflict. And so I didn't do that. And so I had a much simpler set of rules. And around sort of tidiness, which is a big deal. I don't feel like... Yeah, you did have rules, I suppose. I was just going to say, it didn't feel like there were rules. It was the communal space that yeah, was a rule, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the most rule, yeah. I think that was the only rule you had. Everything else might have been in your head, but I don't think... <laughs> you can't remember. And the communal space rule was a very, like, once every two months. It was like, right, this has got to the point where it's unlivable, well, I, so let's Yeah, I think I up. would, I would um, keep it going. As much as I could mm. in the communal space, but your bedrooms, I were not my territory. You had to if you were a mess. Oh, yeah, that's true. In your room, you had to put up with it. Yeah, that that those are the bits that was like once every two months was maybe like we can't see the floor now. Whereas yes. yeah, communal spaces, you're right. Yeah, communal spaces, kitchen, lounge, hallways. Um, I would insist that they were kept clear. Yeah, tables especially, so you could do homework if you wanted to, or, or hobbies dinner. or crafts, and then have dinner. Um. But yeah, because chores are a real area of potential conflict between parents and children. I think they're virtually unsupervised. Well, and also... And you can't be consistent. If, like, I've got three sisters and I'm the eldest and it's not fair because I don't care how old Martha is, she could be five. I don't want to do more work than Exactly. Her. And so <laughs> what you get is, of course, is that you leave home and our Martha's doing more and more work, but you can't tell. So children can only be fair at that moment. Yeah. And it's quite difficult. And it goes through adulthood. Like, how many people yeah. are in work and you're just like, well, I get paid the same and I do way yeah. more work than them. And it's like, that's so instilled mm. from when you're, especially if you've got siblings. I mean, it was quite an impact on me in terms that that meant I did all the cooking and all the washing up. <laughs> but I would have little, I'd, I'd have things where I would get you to clear the table because all four of you could do that. And it wasn't a huge job, I don't think. It was a think. huge job. It, we had, like, kind of little, right, someone lay the table, someone clear it, someone take the dishes yes. through. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, but I would do all the technical stuff so that I wouldn't make the elders do the washing up just because she could handle hot water. I mean, to be fair, like, what was the impact on you? Because when I, I... I've spoken about this to people before, and I'm like, when I think back to you... Uh, so, start of the day, get up early go to tesco's get our breakfast probably shouted us to get up although i think we were kind of okay at that and then make packed lunches we go to school come back we don't do anything just sit and watch films until you get back from work then we moan because we're bored (laughs) (laughs) you want to go to tesco's again get get dinner cook it all do all the washing up us lot are bored again (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's like, that's a huge impact on a parent, especially a single parent. Hmm. I mean, it must be, like, working, if you've got a lot of kids and the kids um, just, like, as children's nature is, just don't want to do anything, especially hmm. if no one else is doing anything. I mean, you'll get exceptions, but I think um, I think there's going to be a lot of parents who are just like, I'm tired, they need to help me out. So you've got to be really willing and up for just, like, what's it worth? Take away the kind of arguments mm. or just to have to put in that extra bit of work. Yeah, I, I think for a child's point of view, it seems more work than it is. And as a parent, you are highly motivated to feed your children. 
Yeah, I know, but are you motivated to do washing up every night and have your I mean, children sit there and do that, nothing? All that type of stuff doesn't really bother me very much. Yeah, I know, but it bothers a lot of people. It may do bother a lot of people. And then they've got to make a decision. Yeah. Like, they've got to weigh it up. That's out. what I mean. Like, is it worth it? I mean, depending on, obviously, how bad the conflict is, oh. that's going to vary. But personally... I'm alright washing up, but I don't like cooking, so it would be a really interesting battle. Yeah, and, Maybe and, it's weather spoons every also, night. Also, uh, you know, being a single parent makes a big difference because I would it would be my decision how clean and tidy the house was. Yeah. So if I was tired, I wouldn't hoover, and then you we'd have to put up with a. Yeah, but kids yeah, but, do I not mean, yes, notice but, how no, kids probably dirty don't the notice. floor is. But what I'm saying is, other people carpet. might have different views on cleanliness and tidiness mm. that would think, drive them more than it was do you think that's me. something that people should be i mean we'll probably talk about this again but um aware of like the levels that you're dealing with so like a child is not going to have any concept of this is the the kind of level at which i like it tidy like this is my tidiness mm. level whereas parents if someone loves a clean house, do you think it's important that they appreciate that a child is not going to get that? Yes, and I, I think it's fine. If you love a clean house and bring up, up your child in that way, that's fine. Yeah. That's absolutely fine. And um, as long as you're avoiding conflict. You, you think your way around the issue. Mm. How can I get the child to do this so it seems that it's a good thing to do mm. because it's driving me nuts. <laughs> but if it's going to force conflict into your relationship you really have to think very carefully about what you want. I suppose that's another one of those things where it's like, if that starts from quite an early age, where they're just used to, like, you take your shoes off at the door, right. and you every time you have dirty clothes, they yes. go in this thing. Whereas if you're trying to get, like, a 13-year-old out of bed to on a Saturday morning to tidy their room, and they haven't really had to do it forever, that is going to be a nightmare. So if we... if It's, it's quite... Uh, there's a point here that I'm... It's quite subtle to get across. What I wanted was to remove as much of the conflict that you can predict. Yeah. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get conflict anyway, which you're going to have to deal with in that micro... So trying to make a 13-year-old get out of bed and go to school is going to happen anyway. Mm. And that's something else we can talk about. I did say Saturday morning, because oh, that's, yeah. that's a whole other podcast. That's, that's, Saturday morning. <laughs> Pajamas. <laughs> and so... Yeah, so there's bound to be conflict. Conflict. Children are bound to push the barrier, uh, the boundaries of what mm. you think is acceptable. So what I was looking for to is to remove all the predictable areas of conflict, so that when the other conflict came, there was less memories and less resentment and, and less you got unhappiness. more like space and room in your mind to deal That's with right. it. That's correct. So if we go back to um, money, for instance. Which we'll come on to. So I've I had this system with money, which we'll do another podcast. But <laughs> what it meant was the way I did the money was that I had no conflict around money. So if I'm out with the, with my children, they never ask me, "Dad, can I have a coke?" It's nothing to do with me. If I've taken them to a cafe, they know the deal. So they're going to get fed and watered. If they want anything in between, I've transported them to wherever we are. Mm. I've decided what we're spending in the cafe, so that's my. I'm done now. My, my responsibility, other than stopping them stepping in front of buses, <clears throat> I'm done. So what I've, what I've removed is any conflict between me and my children over sweets, cokes, ice creams, crisps, blah 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 blah. It just doesn't. It's not there because of the way I've handled money. So I'm not getting any conflict about television. 
we'll come back to bedtime because I've forgotten about that. I'm not getting any conflict between the children, between children and me about chores. And I'm not getting any conflict around spending small amounts of money when we're out and about. Mm. So when I do get conflict about Martha not sitting on a chair by the dinner table, it's now standing out a bit because conflict isn't really there very much. No, I feel like um, it's a really interesting point um, for me because I remember like lots of siblings that didn't get on with each other and kids that moaned about their parents and all that kind of stuff. And then I do remember conflict we had in your house, but it was going to be over like the things that cropped up or like between us girls. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, so like we so going on to like the food that we were we've kind of mentioned bedtime first one of the surprising benefits of not having a telly is the naturalness of bedtime which you mentioned at the beginning and i'd forgotten and that stayed with us all from all the children right through all their time together and we ended up because we moved flat again we ended up all sleeping together by which time you'd moved I was in uni, yeah. Yes. So, because the we are, I had a very odd-shaped flat with a massive room at the back away from the noise of the traffic with an ensuite bathroom, and we could easily all fit in there. And so we in did. In separate beds. In separate beds, and so we did. And because there was no television in the whole flat, by this time, that move, we didn't even have a television to watch films on, and devices were starting to be No, we did. Us. Oh, we did? Yeah. We? It was in the little room downstairs. Um, and so bedtime would just be would just come around we'd go sit in bed and Mabel would fall asleep within about 25 seconds (laughs) but bedtime was never ever an issue I would read huge amounts and it was always just a really nice thing to do and place to go Mm. and that was all because there was nothing keeping us up beyond when we were all a bit tired Mm. So television has that, got a lot to answer for, I view. I yeah, I mean, the other thing to know, I mean, we'll go into this another time, but Martha was 11 then. You're not talking about young kids no, at that no, point, no. are you? It's a bit older than that, actually. No, because I went to uni. Oh, yes. So yeah. I was 18, yeah, yeah. she yeah. was 11. Yeah. Um, right, so what we were actually we're going Con- to talk about... Conflict around food. So, yeah, conflict around food. So, like, what you mentioned in the last podcast, and I think I mentioned as well, is Martha, so she's the youngest somehow had these strange habits around dinner time which were standing up would not sit down to eat and also would eat with their hands and kind of like half kneel on the chair half not um and she didn't i can't remember but she didn't seem to have any odd like appetite stuff like agnes and mabel had crazy just mabel didn't like anything and agnes just had the tiniest appetite imaginable whereas i just at everything um yeah so that's quite interesting and i remember there being arguments or not arguments but you getting really annoyed with martha because she would every single time would just stand at the table or not hold a knife and fork properly i mean the um dinner table is uh, an area of potentially massive conflict there is so much going on and you see families who give up completely about having meals around the table which I can understand, I can sympathise with that, mm. but it's a shame. Well, because it's one of those things, it's a bit like um, like when we've talked about this in the past, just kind of chatting about stuff, it's like in the car, 
holidays and round the table because it's like you're forced to be together if your parents want you to have a nice family meal sit around the table together like you have to spend time with each other and if your relationships with each other aren't that great it's going to be a nightmare Mm. isn't it Mm. or if there's someone's got little stupid habits or just something annoying or that something that they like to talk about around the table you don't it's just going to be like oh i mean i know a few boys boys from my other you know not my own family who you shout, dinner's ready, and the first thing you do is go to the toilet. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so I just thought of another thing Martha did. She went to the toilet every time we went out to eat. Did she? Yeah, every single time we went out to eat, she'd have to go oh, to the Martha. toilet. <laughs> A person. Uh, to be fair, like, I suppose most people do, but in the set, like, she, it was just one of her little oh, things she lovely. did. I mean, yeah, so the area of food which is slightly different to the, the act of eating around the table, um, is a big subject. Well, it's a big area of conflict. Hmm. And um, it takes a lot of energy. And so you have to be convinced that it's worth it. Well, yeah, because I suppose the conflict comes when it's like, no, this is what I want you to do because this is the way you need to behave around the table. And so you pers- you kind of are persistent with it. Yeah, and the reason I persisted with it, one, I had that's how I'd been brought up, tea time, you sit around the table. So there's that in there. But also through my um, going to the university, going to other people's houses, mm. joining a bank for a short time and being taken out to dinner there as a welcome, little things like that, I had realised that being able to handle yourself in company with food was an important thing, social skill, okay. that would give you confidence. I've got a question. If you if you hadn't have persistently shouted at Martha about sitting down at the table, what do you reckon she'd been like now? I have no idea. I mean, well, that's because, a tricky one. No, it? I know, but like we'd all managed to sit down at a table and it hadn't been an issue. Like There's part of it that's like... I know, drives you nuts. Like... Is it worth it? Is it a bit like when your kid starts crawl, like walking, like everyone manages it at some point? It's just going to take a while. There's Do you think of... she she'd just get to the point where she's too tall to stand up? I so mean, what's she's fantastic about that little habit was that she sat everywhere else. I mean, she's the type of child <laughs> who basically sat the whole time, apart yeah. from when she was around the table. Yeah. But either it was, I mean, she was fairly rebellious as a little one. Yeah. As a very little one against her sisters, not really against me, I didn't feel. So there might have been something there. She's a strong personality. Mm. Um, and so they might have... She might have just been doing it to just annoy yeah, your attention seek or something. Your three big personalities ahead of her in the queue. Yeah, who knows. But it's a good illustration of how difficult mealtimes can be. And therefore you need a, you need a strong idea that this is good for the children mm. it's worth persevering mm. you, it needs to be a clear straightforward deal and we've said that deal already you sit down you contribute to the conversation and you wait to be told that you can leave the oh prob- uh, yeah yeah the problem is in in, be- in between that, coming in sitting down and, being, and waiting before you could leave there's the eating and that's where the conflict gets intense. Because then, in that, the eating is the, all the parents' worries and guilt about their little ones and health and the judgments that are around. Mm. And uh, children eating is, is a complicated issue. And I got this memory 
you know, as you've just said, Agnes had a minute appetite and still has. Mabel is fantastically frustrating because although she did remind me of my brother, she she seemed to have this sort of texture problem in her mouth where anything of a certain textures, anything sort of like slicky, classic mushrooms, yeah, mushroom slidey, yeah. And so, um, and now of course, <laughs> so maddening is that she frequently tells me with this big smile on her face the things that she absolutely loves, which she absolutely hated when I was yeah. cooking them. Cabbage is the you know the, the quintessential. Mabel <laughs> vegetable she and she would rage about cabbage and how stuff sit down in vast quantities mm. and so yeah what, what the 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 eating of the food is area of massive potential conflict and it's a very difficult area so I know that something um we that you always did and like I speak to like the ladies in the sewing group about it and stuff when they talk about their grandkids and what their own children were like is that um and it this might be quite an old-fashioned although like seems very sensible like an old-fashioned thing that everyone did back in the day just because they they couldn't afford to get loads of different food and the food wasn't available whereas it's changed in this generation was that you didn't make different meals for different people no. or leave stuff off oh, I had plates. That, I had a philosophy I was going to starve them into submission <laughs> oh my god I was going to provide food and if they didn't eat it their hunger would eventually drive them to eat what was provided but yeah. it didn't work because I that I imagine is like a horrendous concept for some people because I think some people would be so worried that their kids would that hmm. would starve or be malnourished or something so they'd end up I can completely understand why people end up cooking different mm. meals for different people and they kind of indulge what their kids mm. like and don't like. It's very Whereas for us, it was like, for me, it was fine. I just eat whatever. Mm. Whereas for the others, they'd be so annoyed because there'd be raisins in something. Yeah, or there'd be mushrooms and onions in something that were a bit too big for them to eat. All that kind of stuff. And yeah. you'd spend half an hour of the meal just picking everything yeah. out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, Looking back, I think I could have done better. What would you have done? Because what you're trying to do is, you've got a basic deal, come in, sit down, hold your knife forth properly, uh, and wait until you be told to leave, right? Mm. The problem is, I've now shopped for this, I've spent my money on it, I've put quite a lot of thought into it, <laughs> and then I've cooked it expertly usually, I've cooked it, <laughs> I've put it on the plate, and I'm going to wash it up, and I'm going to put the dishes away. Okay, I've got I don't, to do it all tomorrow. I'm not going to do it again tomorrow. Now, I can't ever remember resenting any of that because I've chosen to do it. And if I want you to help me, I would ask. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was the fact that you are emotionally invested in them eating it. You just can't help it. And what you want to do is take the significance out of the event. Yeah. So it's significant that they need to come in, sit down, contribute, mm. behave, wait to be told to leave, and then leave nicely. And, and any of the help that's needed leave nicely so for me that was important because they're going to need that when they grow older and they'll be grateful to me that they can now confidently handle themselves in social company when they're away from me so that's an important thing I had to get right that's fine the eating I'm emotionally invested in and well and you I'm, just had to get over it kind of thing and I'm fairly hard so I'm not really emotionally invested in the fact that they're getting calories and nutrients because I'm not really you know, I'm fairly confident they'll grow into big, healthy children anyway, because that's yeah. just how it works. No, for me, it was all the efforts I put in. And um, I just wanted, I couldn't help but want some acknowledgements by well, disappearing off their plates. It's interesting you say that, because I remember, who was it? It was our cousins, or there was someone 
that they came over and you and mum, I think it was when you and mum were together and you'd cooked something and they said thank you. And I remember how much of a difference it made to whoever cooked it that they'd just said, that they'd even just said thank you. And I was like, oh my God, I've never thanked my parents for cooking anything. And so it was one of those things where it, from my point of view, I mean, it's probably, it's all like through guilt. It's like, oh, right, they like that. And I've never done it. So I'm a really bad child. But that's, but I, re- I remember that happened like that was a choice that I made that I was like do you know what I'm going to be appreciative of food I mean I I was the most appreciative because I just ate it yes. but I can yeah in, in your eating was enough acknowledgement alright so what well, do you mean that you would do better then well, what I would try to do is keep my emotion out of it more I'd try to be more clinical in having the framework of the deal yeah and take the eating away maybe the, you should just have made nice food and I've, Dad. I've, <laughs> And I've just found out that there is some growing body of evidence that children at the age between the ages of three up to about seven or eight, and can be particularly boys, lose their appetite naturally. And so you've got this nightmare situation where you're trying to provide food. It's a big deal for the parents, a huge deal for the parents. And the natural little genetic little organism you've got in front of you, which you've given a name, is now naturally choosing not to eat it. So, like, I've got a hamster... And it's one of those things you feel like with animals that if you put food in front of them, they're just going to eat it. And I've noticed with my hamster that he, it doesn't. So I'll just put, there'll be food around, but that's quite like, and he can have it when he wants. And it's not that you'd have that. I mean, I think with kids, you know, you'd want specific meal times and stuff, but the same kind of concept. Not that I want to compare kids to hamsters, but um, of just like, it's there. If they're hungry, they'll eat it. And if they're not, they won't. And if they're going to be fussy, well, that's their problem. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Is that the way you, you'd recommend yes. dealing with it? Well, um, and I'm not attached to what I've given Johnson my hamster no, for his no. dinner. No, I, I think yes. What you need to do is take the significance away from the eating completely, and it's a very hard thing to do. Okay. Because if you um, load up the table with some nice smelling food and two people are eating it and three people are picking at it and then you've all finished it and three of them have got a place full of food, it is nearly impossible to not add significance to that. To keep smiling and, oh, oh, there you are. Because food's a big deal. And I remember saying to friends of mine, my mother or somebody, I have never heard Agnes and Mabel say they're hungry. I've n- I've never been able to starve them into saying, well, you know, if you'd eat me dinner. When never was happened. that? Because I feel like Mabel is now like between the ages of about you know twelve and sixteen. You know those four years, were, and they were growing. You know they're big girls. Yeah, they were growing and growing and not eating. And you're looking at them thinking, what's this happening? Yeah, I mean that's from a purely you know just an emotional parent point of view. Yeah, from a rational parent point of view, they're fine and healthy, and, and there's no problem. So yeah. it's just from me having done all the cooking. And also, like, a memory of cooking. Uh, your mother had a, f- a friend of hers. This was before we separated, actually. She had a friend who had six children. Mm. And they were all girls. Mm. And uh, I think four of them came over. And I had you four. So I cooked for all eight. And and the other four, phew, come back for seconds. Yeah. And the joy that gave me and how bad I felt about being so happy. <laughs> likes my food Somebody likes my food apart from you i mean you apart, yeah yeah it's just the other three so i've got a question about holding a knife and fork properly because it's mm. something that i know that has been very important from you and mum about kind of the table manners and etiquette and um 
but it feels like it goes through me when I see people holding knives and forks wrong as I see it obviously it's not wrong it's all working but um that's an interesting one of like why yeah I, I can't answer that one I've got no justification for it because I remember you having a go <clears throat> at some of us oh just I can't like... but I'm, and our math was left handed and that was her excuse and I still I wouldn't have that either <laughs> oh my god tyrant <laughs> well you know what it's like if you see somebody now I, I, I don't know why it is yeah it's I, I think one. you're right I, there is some practical I think I possibly could defend myself on some technical reasons that if you hold your knife and fork a certain way then, then it's easier you know it's easier for you and everybody else I think it's quite a British thing as well I feel like it's possibly. been taken I mean I've seen an American out. eating in France I was sat next to an American and they eat with a fork Mm. and so they put their fork they pick their knife up change the fork around to the other hand cut up their food put their knife down change the fork to the other way and eat it with their fork yeah. and I'm thinking Dear, so I wonder if it's first. I wonder if it's a whole thing of just like as a whole table manners rather than just that it, do you reckon it's a whole kind of like a kind of etiquette around meal times and it just happens to include this is how you hold a yes. knife and fork there's an important point here is that you can hold a knife and fork any way you like, so you may as well hold it the way I want you to. Yeah, I'm not saying you're. But bad. then that's potentially if introducing conflict. It is introducing conflict. So I got to, I got to, I got to weigh that. Creating conflict. I am, I am, I am. So I got to weigh that one up, haven't I? Yeah. I mean, if I really like television, I've got to weigh that one up. Well, yeah. Luckily, I didn't. Yeah. And I was already having qualms, so that helped. And then I had this event, which is a split with your mother. That helped. I had a money excuse. That helped. So it all came together. So. Do you know what I'm going to do without television? So, like, with food, it'd just be but like, this food, is the way I want to eat, yeah. and this is the way I think And you're you holding a knife and fork from a very young age, so you, there's not much conflict when you're very little. No. There's some when, um, if if you go to somebody else's house and you come back and there's a little bad habit crept in, there's possibly <laughs> a little bit there. But actually, there's, there's not a lot. But as to why, I don't know. Okay. I can't re- other than you may as well now in terms of etiquette is an important point I think because what I don't like is when um, it's, it's said to children that they are a better person for having better manners okay they're not a better person what is likely is that they will have a better time yeah so not making it personal they to will. the person being like do you know what if you go here they'll like you'll just have a nice time because people realise how lovely yeah, you are. Because what you want is your manners and the way you handle yourself around a table and your politeness. What you want when you're away from your mum and dad is that nobody actually notices that because yeah. not, there's not there's nothing wrong or right about it. It's just unnoticeable. Because I've just thought of another one. I'm, this is a little bit like, but not leaving food on your fork when you've eaten it. That was mm. another one you had. Oh, did it? Yeah, because I remember you telling me off about that. Because I'd pick up something big and then eat it, like, off my fork. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I feel they're just little pet hates of yours, maybe, rather than kind of fundamental parenting tips. Yeah, quite. But I think the key thing is, I think it's it's completely fine to express yourself as a parent, but you have to weigh up the amount of conflict. I've got a really good, more extreme example of this, religion. Right? (laughs) Say now you like going to church. Say you're believing in God and you really like going to church. Yeah. Okay there cannot be possibly anything wrong with taking your children to church can they no nothing church is a nice place it's full of nice people you get nice hymns yeah um a, a and i would think most religious people are like this personally is that they then as the child gets older and starts questioning the concepts of religion they would then share their faith mm. and allow their children to go with it or not go with it mm. 
And I think that's that's pretty much what happens. Not always for you know, which is a well known yeah. thing, but pretty much what. And I think that's wonderful if people get a. So a if they could of, apply that to just other stuff. Yeah. So my my like personality food. comes out in eating properly in inverted commas. That's me. Right? Yeah. You join in with that. That's fine. What I don't make it, I know that, I think I know, you will have an easier time in your adult life if you have these little habits. Mm. I think I know. And I think it's worth it. Mm. Okay? And and that's my personality coming out in those little habits. If the conflict gets horrendous, I might have to rethink, but I don't think it would in that particular case. No, I think it was just more a kind of just now i've sat slight with, yeah. issue around the dinner table if someone's holding their fork upside down and stabbing stuff and tearing things and yeah i mean if if you start with your child making them feel really bad and guilty because they've licked they've licked their plates <laughs> for instance i love all these little this <laughs> takes me back so much josh well, still does it now well, so if you go too heavy in i think hand... it's a massive compliment licking your <laughs> i would have loved maple and magnus to look at well exactly um then you know you've got you've got to have a rethink the, the key to it is lack of significance there's absolutely nothing wrong with expressing your personality as a parent saying this this type of thing i think is going to suit you it's important to me so in my house this is the deal okay, yeah kids this um, is what we do around this dinner table because I've cooked it and blah, blah, blah. As long as you're not a complete Yeah, Going back to the television, dictator. if any of you had come back to me and said, Dad, we're really struggling in school because we've got nothing to talk about because everybody else is watching television, then I would have had, I would have rethought my thinking on it. I would have. But actually... That never no. happened. Partly because you're watching television in your mother's house. Yeah. And partly because it really doesn't sort of work like that. Hmm. I think that's that's something that would be an, that's an interesting one to do in another podcast because the conflict of that is potentially taken away by devices, but then a whole other realm yes. of conflict has yeah. now yes. cropped up. But um, yeah, I think that's for another time. Okay. Lovely. Thank you.